Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, we have Lee Lechi. She started out as a single-family home investor and has navigated large multifamily as a result gonna love this episode we go into so many different uh specifics about her journey i think one thing you're gonna get a lot from is her relationship with brokers and how she was able to you know move through that with not just grace but with power and get a couple of her first deals underway and quite honestly get taken seriously by brokers which is always a hard thing so you're going to get some tips around that specifically today yeah and in I, I want to make sure you guys understand this. We're going to go over what she said exactly when she called the broker. And we broke down what are those very important items and pieces of information that you cannot just for based on your story and your credit, your past, what you bring into the table. So you can really leverage that in order to be in a relationship with brokers or with anybody that you talk to. Interest rates are sky high in 2023, and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with Rent to Retirement? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, They've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high-cash-flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, where we're so incredibly committed to empowering women to live a financially free and balanced life. Right, Andressa? We do that through all the ways that we're supporting women in building a global, intimate platform. So mm-hmm. excited to be back with all of you each week. Thank you for, for being here. And, and Lee, 
Uh, Lei Chi, thank you so much for being here and, and sharing your wisdom with us and, and the women here. And excited to jump into your story because you have a lot to unpack of your journey of investing. So, so thanks for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. We're going to jump into um, your story in a moment. But as we always do, for those who are new to our podcast, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining with us. We want to make your time literally as best spent as we can. So we like to jump in, uh, but we do like to certainly share a quick tip, something coming up for us because we're in this with you. And you know we want to share what we're learning and growing through along with you before we get into uh, our guest story. So what's coming up for you, Andressa? So today I learned something new in the morning and I had like a aha moment, right? So okay. for all, all of you that have been listening to us for all those, those years, you know how I feel about the privilege of being able to drop my son off at school and say goodbye to him and all of that, right? Well, we got to a milestone where I said, I would like him to start taking the bus, which is just a small bus, not a huge bus, the bus that, you know, because I would like, I don't want him to get super surprised later on and say like, what, it's a bus, right? That he said another day to me. And, and, and I was afraid of let go of that sensation that I felt every time that I drop him off at school that sensation of fulfillment. Oh my gosh, this this is what life is all about, right? And then I was like, if I change that to the bus, how I'm going to feel? I don't want to, you know, do that. That's true. Totally. Well, but I felt the same way. And let me tell you what happened here. First, I was super afraid that I was going to be feeling like guilty and all of that. But the bus stop is on the corner of my house. I don't need to be on the freaking long line that it doesn't make any sense for me for more than half an hour to pick up my son from school. And I ask him, how was your day? And he's like, good. That's all I get <laughs> from my son, right? So so the, the, the pleasure there was, it was really mine, not so much for him. But one thing that I, I, I got it, this morning when I when he went inside that yellow American bus was that I left and I felt it again. I felt the sensation because I focused on the gratitude. I was so grateful that I live in the neighborhood that I live. Grateful that I can drop him off on the corner. Grateful that there is a small bus and the bus driver is lovely, older, you know, grandpa lovely lovely and that gratitude and that moment i felt the same so i was like okay i got the sensation the same sensation as before and the reason why i'm saying this to you to relate to real estate is is just because sometimes we're so attached of doing things one way that we don't open the space for other ways of doing the same thing i gained on my day an hour and a half back that I could do whatever I want with that, right? But I gained that back without losing the sensation that I was always really hang up on. So I just wanted to share with you and encourage you to look around and say like, what what are the things that I am like really hanging on it for dear life? Because I want I don't want to feel 
any other way, shape, or form. But I also don't see another possibility of doing card you to take a quick look at that. And I love that you're, you know, you you had this, you were connected to the feeling and, and then you were able to like recreate that a different way, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not just the thing, it's the feeling we get. We, we yeah. get so attached to the thing too. I Drop thought it was song. the thing. Yeah, it's, right? So I love that. Ah, yeah, great. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, and I always wondered not to go off a tangent really quick. Oh my gosh. What but, you why, but why aren't there seatbelts on buses? It's a little weird. Literally, there's like 30 children on a bus with no seatbelts. Well, I, I, I asked that, right? But I anyway. asked that because the small bus, they do have it. The big buses, they don't. Long story short, listen, for that bus to something happen, you know, in a crash, that's right. what I heard. It's impossible. However, I went to a pumpkin picking another time with my child. I was on the bus and I flew with a speed and a, like this speed Absolutely. Bus. So I do not have an answer to you. I don't really try to think about it too long and I'll just send my kids on the bus and pray. So that's my reconciliation <laughs> there. But anyway, um, we thank you so much for being on our show. And we, we like to kick things off with uh, what what lesson has been the toughest or has taken you the longest to learn in your in your investing career? That thanks for having me on the show. And that is just such a great question. And I would say that the thing that I would have changed is just not trying to do everything myself from the start. And if I had built my team and added more team players early on and really leaned into resources like coaches and mentors from the start. I think I would have gotten to where I am today even faster. Yeah, we we're going to dissect. We we're going to dissect uh, what is Lee doing now. But talk to me about your journey for a second. Did you did you start with what you do right now in mind? Because sometimes people don't get started because they don't have a very clear picture. So I'm just curious to understand what was your thought process. Um, how to how you got to where you are right now so i um am actually a pa a physician associate my husband and i are both pas and we graduated from school back in 2010 with about three hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt and that felt just really crushing at the time so we made a massive action plan to pay it off and so we worked two jobs 80 hours a week nights, weekends, evenings, holidays, and we paid out that debt in three years. And Congrats. thank you. And in, in that process, we burn ourselves out. And I think a lot of professionals experience this. And it's kind of funny because I worked so hard and so long to get this professional degree. And I had my head down for so long. And I just assumed that when I got to that place, it would provide me the lifestyle that I wanted. And what I found was that it just wasn't true. So we just left everything for a year, just like totally went the other direction and went traveling for a year around the world. And during that time, we really got to pause, reflect, and really figure out what is important to us, what is important in life. And and what's most important is time. And it's my time to spend with the people that I love, It is my time to do activities that I enjoy. It is my time to even take care of my health. And so we got back to the States and we started working again, but we knew we had to make a change. 
So we started a business flipping houses to primarily build capital. So whenever I do anything, I really like to just give it my all. So we created a business plan. We got a lawyer, um, opened an LLC, got our CPA, started QuickBooks, got our real estate agent, opened bank accounts. We got all of our ducks in a row and we found that very first property. And it was so successful. So we did it again. And that first year, we flipped five houses. We did five burrs. And the business just took off to a point where we were flipping around 40 houses a year. And we built up a pretty sizable single-family home portfolio and small apartment buildings. So 2020 comes along. And I think a lot of people were impacted by 2020. And we just really sat down and paused and said, okay, let's reevaluate this business plan. Let's reevaluate our goals. And at this point, um, I was nursing a baby and I had a two-year-old daughter and I was still working full-time as a PA in an urgent care through COVID with a N95 mask and a face shield on for 14 hours a day. Wow. So I, at this point, it wasn't just that I wanted my time back. It was really, I needed my time back. So I decided right then and there that I'm going to buy a large apartment building. And I went all in. And so that year, I underwrote hundreds of deals. I made so many offers. We got to a lot of highest and best tables, and it was really, really competitive. And we started an off-market campaign for multifamily in our area which was great because we already had one going for the single family side. So we just transitioned that over. And in 2021, we didn't give up and we finally landed our first big apartment building under contract that closed in early 2022. And all of those broker relationships, they paid off because right away, within three months, we closed on our next $12 million deal. So after all of that work in 2022, we've done $25 million worth of multifamily real estate. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and, and, and you know, uh, let's start here because I think so many people, so many women, I'll speak to that because we, we know we, we speak to them, we, we, we connect with them. So I know a lot of their challenge, we know a lot of their challenges and frustrations. Scaling is a big one. And so even just back to your journey of scaling from, you said five, five burrs to 40 in a, in a short amount of time, right? Yeah. In a fairly short amount of time. Um, I want to, I want to talk to that before we get to the multifamily, because there's probably a lot of lessons and a lot of, a lot that you got that you're applying now would be my, my, my guess. I don't know that. So, so what do you think would be like critical as you look back of, you know, maybe the critical things you put in place to be able to scale? Uh, effectively, because uh, that's no easy feat. Forty houses a year—that's that's that's scale, and and you know some people want to get to ten or fifteen. So walk us through a little bit about what worked for you and your husband. What were the, some of the key learned lessons um, as you look back? You know, um, as as women want to scale any kind of niche, quite honestly, from flipping to 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 another niche. What would be some key lessons or key things you took away? The biggest thing is, is like I said, is getting it set up correctly from the beginning so that you're not trying to go back and fix everything. 
So just having those team members in place really allowed us to scale. We had a really um, an investor-friendly agent who was getting us deals all the time. And we had a contractor who um, just really enjoyed working with us and they were able to grow their team alongside ours. So we had the workforce in place. And with those two key players, the the construction team plus the um, the deal flow, I think it just allowed it to flow really, really well. I'm curious too, because I, I see a lot of like planning before the, the shooting, right? There's a lot of planning that you're you're sharing it. And, and you don't know when you don't know when you're doing certain things until it's like really in front of your, your, your face. What I'm hearing from you is that you had key players that were experts in the areas that you, you were, you were not. Talk to me about from the team, team building point of view, how did you vet them and, and, and made sure that you were able to hold them accountable throughout? So we we started with referrals, which I think is really, really important to network with other investors in your area and find out who people are using and get word of mouth referrals. And we didn't just, you know, dive in at 40 flips a year. We started out with just a few. And to be honest with you, we changed our team players a few times. So we went through two or three agents until we found one that really understood what we we're trying to do. And we went through several contractors before we found some. What, Link? Yeah. Are you talking about <laughs> contractors? Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it sounds easy, but it's not to find those key players and it's trial and error. And then once you do find those key players, you've got to nurture that relationship. You have to treat the people that you work with really, really well, you know, specifically with contractors, don't nickel and dime your contractor. You have to have a mutual trust between you if you want that relationship to grow. Um, of course, you have to hold people accountable, but there has to be some level of trust in place as well. Makes a lot of sense. So so you're, you're scaling, you know, you're doing 40 deals a year. Uh, walk us through a little bit of the transition. Because I, I think that's a very important piece to your story. Um, you know, often women are in one niche and they want to transition to a different niche because it has a lot to do with the market, has a lot to do with the economy. What works in one economy is a little different or it's it, the approach is different. So it happens. It happens all the time. I know women are going through that right now. Um, multifamily especially being incredibly uh, competitive and, and crowded. So you transitioned into, I mean, COVID was actually a great time because 2020, we bought some great multifamily, a little different than now, the numbers. But walk us through that transition. How did you mindfully, intentionally do that? Was it was that on intention? Walk us through that that pivot. So we really always had a roadmap in mind. And the goal was to step away from our W-2 jobs. The goal was to get our time back. The goal was to generate enough passive income so that we could replace the passive or the W-2 income. So we always knew where we were heading. And we also knew that we weren't going to flip houses forever. We were doing it because the market was booming and we were generating capital. But at the same time, we were using those skills to do the burrs and to grow a portfolio to get the passive income. 
And it got to a point where we had really so many single family homes that it it became a lot. And we said, well, what should we do next? How do we scale even faster? So the next really natural transition was to go into multifamily. Um, we always knew we were heading there. We just didn't know exactly when. And of course, with the current market conditions, the flip market has slowed down. So I think we're just really fortunate with this timing. I think I think you guys got prepared, right? I think it's not like just luck. Oh, I'm luck. I think that that what I'm hearing from there's a lot of structure that was put in place. I want to touch base on one thing that you said about the marketing campaigns that you did for off-market deals uh, when you were flipping and then um, for the multifamily. And uh, I don't think a lot of people are consciously creating campaigns and seeking properties. There's, there, what I'm seeing is more the opposite. Let's cut, let it come to to me all the you know, on the MLS or, or, or any All-Star or any other brokers. Share with me how, what, what did you think when you put those campaigns together? You can break down for all the women that are listening that might want to do the same. What would you recommend? So I didn't want to recreate the wheel, so I found somebody who could do it for me. Love um, it, Leah. <laughs> I am into that. Yes, I know you're big about that, Andresa. So... Uh, we we partnered with somebody who was already doing it, and and it just really worked out. It was you know mutually beneficial because they had they were finding leads and we were a buyer, so it was great. So we helped to fund that campaign, and then we bought the deals, and we used the same strategy of the skip tracings and cold calls to target multifamily in our area. We like to be local to have that just competitive advantage. And we found somebody for the multifamily, just a older owner operator who had owned this place for 30 years, just a couple blocks from the oceanfront. And he was so tired of speaking to brokers and he really just liked our story and wanted to sell it to somebody local who was going to take care of his, of his property that he cared about so much. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. 
As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Let's talk about that property. Um, you know, how what, what size was it in terms of doors and, you know, give us some more specifics. That'd be great. So this is a 62-unit apartment building um, with a great location, and it had really been run to the ground, um, not intentionally, but we bought it in a lot of distress. So we bought it at a, with a 45% economic vacancy, which is pretty huge. So, but, you know, we, we had those skill sets in place, so we loved to value add. We love to renovate. We love to increase those rents. And this was just really right up our alley. It was exactly what we could do and execute. So we knew we could take it down. I'll just, I want to just mention that so many people, when they looking to buy multifamily, end up going towards properties that need a little, need a little paint, need a little something. Uh, we're going to bump rents. We're not going to do too much to the building. Uh, you know, I, you know, Lee, I'm also in the the multifamily space as well as on dress up, and and that's a common approach. You know, literally, where people buy buildings, do nothing to them, raise rents, and call it like they're adding value when they literally done nothing. And some buildings don't need as much, obviously. But I want to just, I just want to put a pin in what you just said is that there's actually less, the crowd is less, you know, busy, if you will, for the properties that Lee is speaking about. And I think in an economy we're in, in any economy, you have to keep asking the question, how do we observe what everyone else is doing and do the opposite? And, and, and you have to ask that question, where are the crowds going and how can I, even in the multifamily space, uh, even in the syndication space, we're, we're even talking about syndicating a different asset class right now that's not as crowded, but will actually yield. We're running numbers, our team is running numbers and the, actually the returns for investors are crazy you know, going from maybe multifamily to doing something a little different, um, still in the realm of real estate, of course. My point, though, is that in an economy that we're in, you have to be, if you're going to be successful, you have to ask those questions. And I think going towards distressed physically and from a matter, there's two ways of distressed. There's a physical distressedness of a property, and then there's actually a management distressed of a property. And if you add in the actual local market and how they're being perceived from the local market, that's another layer of distrust. And those are the properties exactly that we would we have gone over, gone through in our um, tenure, if you will, because we got our start, you know, with with uh, um, dilapidated properties. So those were actually our our interest. Not everyone's interested. And I just say, you know, you find a property that's in a great location and there's forty five percent occupied. Most people are going to be like, no, thank you. And you'd be like, great. Otherwise, like, yeah, as long as the numbers work and you have a transition plan, because there's going to be some serious stabilization happening. You're not getting paid day one. You're not getting paid probably in the first one or two years, I don't I don't think. But that's okay, right? Because you're building for the future. So I just want to make a pin in that because so many people were like, how do I five in today's economy? Do what just, just Lee just did. 
you know, and, and stop running from the hard stuff, but actually going towards it. Yeah. And especially now with labor costs increasing, it's difficult to keep your contractors. The cost of materials is increasing. You know, I think you really do have to know what you're doing if you're taking down these really big projects. Correct. So like I said, we're comfortable with that. And we see other people struggling and we're have a lot of gratitude towards our teams. We've been able to turn 80% of the building in eight months. It's creating, you know, LVP floors, new cabinets, granite countertops, everything. And we're increasing rents by $400 a door, which That's is awesome, which makes me feel a whole lot better while cap rates are increasing because we know our values there. Lee, I, I think that like the first thing that comes to, to my head is like how prepared you guys were and, and the foundation that you guys creating. When you look back, right, you and your husband are, uh, your husband, uh, Brazilian, by the way, people, that's why her last name is Leite. Right, Liz? Tried to get that. Leite. I said it correctly. You did. Right so, now. <laughs> right now. So what I was going to say is that what are the, the transferable skills that you both brought in to the table and what were the gaps that you guys found? Therefore, you, you needed teams to fill that up. We both come from a background in medicine and we're very analytical people. I love math and science and systems. And and so we both brought those skill sets to the table. And my husband in particular, he just really accelerates with project management and being on site and running the teams and working with the contractors. I really really um, accelerate at the deal analysis, the financials, the business plans. And and I think as a team, we work really, really well together. The people that we've had to bring in are other professionals to help guide us. So real estate CPAs, um, legal teams, and then eventually we brought in a coach to help us with the larger multifamily. Those are great lists, but uh, lists, lists, I always say lists. Lee, those are, those are great. Oh, talk to me about the, the challenges that you guys face because many, many investors investing together, uh, many times to get into, you know, the marriage and the business doesn't have like a, a, a line to separate it. What, what were the challenges that you guys faced and how did you overcome it? I think you literally just said the biggest challenge and that's that you know it's hard to draw that line between marriage and business because when i used to work in the medical field i would come home and the day would be done there'd be nothing else and it would be just us but now our business kind of follows us into the night sometimes and so we've really just had to set those boundaries and say okay we're sitting down together every single day with our children at five o'clock without our phones and we will not talk about any business and the other thing that we do is we we set these goals and it's not just goals for our business but it's also goals for our family and that really helps us to keep on track and that work-life balance of hey even though we're a couple even though we're running a business even though this is our life, we have to keep up these other things in life too that are important important to us. You also talked a little bit about, as we were um, preparing for today, about um, broker relationships. And I, I want to I certainly talk about that with you because especially 
I don't know your personality, but if you're more inter interested in analyzing deals and more interested in math and science, I'm going to assume here, crazy assumption, but you're probably a little more introverted than extroverted. Is that fair? That's a good assumption. Okay. Totally judgment, but I'm just going to go with my judgments right now. So let's talk about that because so many people pigeonhole themselves and saying, well, I'm not going to, I don't know how to develop relationships with brokers. And it's, and it's, you have to on some level, even if you're going off of off market, um, that's critical to the multifamily game. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, how did you get over that fear? What did you do? What were some of your, you know, what were some of the, your, you know, ways of being that you would repeat and have repeated as you're building your own portfolio? Because you did something well as you're, as you're, as you're tr transitioning. So let's talk about that because, and also brokers could be a little, they could be a little intimidating. Yes, that's a great question. And I definitely feel that it can be a male dominated world with these big commercial real estate brokers. And I did have some fear, but at the time, like I said, it was 2020 and my husband, he was actually pretty busy running these projects of these 40 flips a year. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to reach the school, if I'm going to buy this apartment building, I need to do something and I need to do it now. And I was sitting at my computer and I was analyzing all these deals and I I saw this deal that I loved and I was like, I need to get this one. So I picked up the phone. I called the broker and he answered on the first ring. I said, oh, no. And I was and praying that it went to voice <laughs> message, right? Before somebody relate to that. It's ner oh, you're nervous, right? Or like, yeah. I've heard the love of God goes to voice message. I don't want to talk. And then what did you, what did you say to, to him or her? Like, I'd love to know what you said, because that's so, we've been working on that with a, with a, some of our members of just being able to like share your street cred, especially you're moving into a new niche. So do you remember what you said to him? I said something like, you know, hi, my name is Lilechi. I'm a founder of 258 Capital. We are buying large multifamily assets. I've flipped more than 150 homes and I love this deal in North Carolina. And he took me very seriously. We got a tour set up the following week. And it, it just went great. All right. We can't do role playing on a podcast recording, but I want to break down what you said, because what you said is very much something that everyone listening can take as a model, right? For those like, what do I say? Because literally something we just worked with a, a group in our, in our, in our Shrive group. Number one, you obviously were succinct. Number one. Number two, you upfront established your credibility and your street cred. And how, 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 how you did. I'm going to go there. Don't you worry. Thanks. I did that by I'm saying, excited. You, you did that by saying what your, you know, your business, that you have a business, right? Obviously that's important. And number two, you then went into specific, but very quick detail of what you have done. I don't know what you exactly said, but you said we flipped a hundred homes or I don't know the exact verbiage. Numbers. But numbers. So if people say, oh, I'm a real estate investor in Minnesota, sounds vague. If I say, I'm a, I'm a real estate investor in Minnesota. My portfolio is worth about $14 million right now. And I'm transitioning into the multifamily space. Would love to chat with you about the market. Very different. 14, because people hear numbers. Even saying, we have to watch how we say numbers. You could have said, oh, I've invested in single family homes. You could have said that. And that wouldn't have been very impressive. It sounds like you've invested. Okay, it sounds kind of wonky versus the number of 100. And even if, and I, I want to just make this very clear, as I think we're super passionate about this. Everyone has something to share. Everyone has street cred. And your street cred is 
um, don't dismiss it. Even if you've done two deals, we can look at those numbers, I'm sure, and and pull out the 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 piece that's like, okay, you know, highlight it and highlight it. I just really wanted to put a put a pin in that for you, um, uh, Lee, because what you did so beautifully made a difference. Because then that broker is going to take you seriously. Can I take one more thing here? Because yeah. we have a lot of realtors listening to us as well. So if you don't own your portfolio yet, which we are working with you with our EXPT yes. in order for that to happen, I want you to your street credit. Uh, talk about the transactions, transactions th throughout your career or the past six months, 12 months. You put the numbers into the amount of transactions that you you were part of. Don't forget that. Just want to make a. Yeah. I love that. And also, we're going off on a, on a street cred tangent here, but this is important because women undersell themselves all of the time, and we are on a mission to stop that. We have to stop doing that. It is not helping anyone. It's not helping our movement. It's not going to help young children, young women, young girls. For me to undersell myself, I I'm teaching my daughter to undersell herself. Right. So. We're really big into stop doing that. And then now I've changed my train of thought because I'm on my high horse. No, we're going to go back to Lee's conversation <sighs> with the broker. Yes. No, I had a so, thought all around that. I had a <laughs> But we'll move on. It's okay. I lose my train of thought a lot. But it, it's so important. Oh, oh, I have, I have came back. I wanted to mention it, your street cred. For new investors, I know what you're saying right now. You're like, I have no street cred. You do have street cred. You're alive. You have something in your world, in your professional life, that you can you can really um, you know speak to, and if you have to really weigh down on your personality, I'm the most tenacious person you'll ever meet, uh, you know, and I'm X, Y, and Z, and uh, so you can look at your story and pull some numbers and pull some street cred. To give me anyone, I can do that. We can find that for you. 100%. I just am very passionate about it. We don't want you underselling yourself, not overselling, certainly not underselling. So Lee, bring us back to the broker after we got on our street cred tangent. Um, you given them, given them that, that elevator pitch. What happened after that? We scheduled a tour and we showed up and we toured the property. It went, it went really well and we submitted our LOI and we made it to highest and best. And we we're really, really excited. I got my lender lined up. I made even more contacts during this time with lenders, um, brokers, with insurance companies, you know, I learned so much more through this process and we didn't get the deal, but wow, yeah, we didn't get the deal. But the thing was, was that it made me realize it was possible. It made me realize I could buy a $15 million property. I was approved to do so. So it, it gave me that much more confidence so that the next time I got on the phone with the broker, it just really accelerated everything. I'm curious. I love that. I, I'm curious how how did you quickly get up to speed with analyzing a new asset class? Because analyzing deals and building that confidence and that muscle is a big one, especially if you're used to analyzing single family home flips. Now you're moving into new, a different asset class, um, you know. And so, and there's a lot to that. You're not just analyzing the deal. You're analyzing your competition. You got to know what rent goes for. You need to know kind of your average, what each you know door goes for, if you will, what the average is, what's high, what's low, what the amenities are. So it's a different, it's a whole different you know process. Um, so I'm curious, what did you do to accelerate 
your skill set um, around analyzing deals when you when you when you made that transition? You know, I really taught myself and I read some books and I used some tools that were out there already. And I think just repetition really helped. The other people who helped me to narrow down my analysis were property managers that I connected with in that local market to say, hey, are these realistic expectations? Are the is this a realistic pro forma? Are these realistic rents? And that really helped a lot. And also my partners in the lending world helped me as well because they do their own deal analysis. So what kind of lending can I get for this? Is my pro forma realistic? And I think just getting that constant feedback from people who are professionals in the business helped a lot. I love that recommendation because what's fascinating is that the lender and the property manager are only going to get paid if you buy the building. So, and if you start to build the relationship with them, it's in their best interest to help protect you and, and to build that relationship. Them helping you analyze deals cost you this, zero. And and so I, I, I love that as a reminder, lenders and property managers are such great team members versus, I mean, nothing against coaches, sound like you had that in mentors. Look, you know, have them also help, but the lenders and the property managers are, are just a great, a great point. How did you know you were working with a property manager of, of kind of, of, you know, credibility, you know, how did you, how did you vet that as you navigated large multi? Because property management companies are kind of like key. We got recommendations from people in the business. Um, I'm fortunate to have a good friend in property management and she just gave me a lot of great resources and recommendations for my area. So, so for Lee, for Lee being the analytical person who's an introvert, you build relationships pretty well, you know? Thank you. And, and meaning that it's a strategy, it's a, a way of being. And introverts who are quiet or more analytical can be just as good at it. And they actually can be better in a lot of ways than extroverts because you're sincere. <laughs> and you know, not that extroverts are not sincere. Liz just bash all the extroverts I totally out there. But I could well, I don't care. I'm not one of them, so I did not take it personal. <laughs> but it, it's a way of being and it's a, it's a way of building relationships. So I, I just love that, that you kind of you know, broke that down. So where are you going from here? You're, 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 you're still looking to buy more multis. Uh, what, what's your goal? What's your current call? I'm sure you have one. So this past September, I retired from my career in medicine. Awesome. Congrats. Thank you. I was really, really excited to do that because I had set this goal for myself to retire by the time my daughter started kindergarten. She started kindergarten in September and I wanted oh my to gosh. do that so that I could be with her on holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, evenings, weekends, especially now that she was in school. So now things are going so well. What I want to do is I really want to spread the education to other busy working professionals, to other busy working parents. Um, just about the benefits of real estate investing. So we are starting um, syndications. Um, we've already completed um, one of our larger syndications this year, and it just brought me a lot of joy to bring in my family members and friends and colleagues into this deal to allow them to own part of these large assets as limited partners and to get those benefits from cash flow and appreciation without necessarily necessarily having to do it like the hard way. Um, although, you know, as an LP, of course, you have to do your homework, but I just, I want to spread the joy. 
I love that. And that's a great way of saying it <clears throat> because you're you're not just building your own wealth, right? Um, you're building other people's wealth. Exactly. Very cool. Lee, where can the ladies listening learn more about you and, and follow you along your journey? So you can find us at www.258cap.com. You can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn at 25 slash 8 capital and also on Instagram and reach out at info at 258cap.com. Awesome. All this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Lee, we usually talk about the books, right? What's the most transformational book? I would say, what is the most transformational book in the niche that we just talked about here? Do you recommend to people? So, you know, I love all of the mindset books like um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, The 4-Hour Workweek, Who Not How. But one of the books that really helped me early on was The Complete Guide to Buying and Selling Apartment Buildings by Steve Burgess. And, you know, it's kind of outdated, but the fundamentals of the entire process are really there. And what I liked most about this book, being a really technical person, is that it has a glossary at the end of the book of 200 real estate terms defined. And because whether you are an active investor or a passive investor, if you don't speak the language of real estate, you're going to be in trouble. 100%. Lee, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life, whatever balance means to you? So the most powerful routine that I do is with my husband, and that is the goal planning. And what we created was something we call the freedom sheet. And what it does is it calculates our income, passive income, expenses, net worth, and really helped us to determine how much passive cash flow we needed to step away from our W-2 jobs. But on top of that, we also write down our goals. And those are our goals for us as a couple, such as weekly date night, for us personally, such as health and fitness, goals for our family and our kids. And on a daily basis, what we can do is we can reflect back to those goals. And when we're looking at our tasks for the day, we can say, you know, are these tasks moving the needle forward? Is what we're doing actually going towards our goals? And are we maintaining that work-life balance for the goals that we had for ourselves as a couple and a family? Last question, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Today, my grandmother inspired me the most. She was born in the 1920s and grew up in a time where people, where women really were not investing in real estate. And she was building and selling houses along the Jersey Shore before it was developed and also trading stocks basically until the day she died at the age of 96, never wanting to be reliant on anyone to take care of her. And she always supported myself, me and my education so that I could always be self-sufficient as well. Oh my gosh, I love it. Such a pioneer. Lee, thank you so much for being on our show. Excited about all the things unfolding for you uh, as you as you navigate. So thanks again for sharing all your wisdom with us and our community. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. 
If you like our show, please share with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.